After a big recruiting weekend, the Oklahoma Sooners are picking up the predictions. We'll talk about who on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for being with us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, it was a big recruiting weekend in Norman for Brent Venables, his coaching staff, and the entire recruiting staff, the on-campus people as well, as they hosted a ton of 2024, few 2025 prospects in Norman this weekend and picked up a couple crystal balls and and we're just on Sunday night at this point who knows what else could transpire later in this week Josh uh, but first of all let's let's talk about the the 2024 rivals future cast that they got Xavier Robinson out of Carl Albert High School in uh, Midwest City the Oklahomans 2022 offensive player of the year uh, at running back Josh yeah and it looks just judging off of the recruiting sites out there that there's a little bit of discussion, maybe what his future looks like, whether or not he's a running back or a linebacker going forward, which just simply the frame, John six foot two, 218, 220. Yeah, probably depending on how you can run, you could play either running back or linebacker. Uh, probably more of the consensus. It feels like is running back. With uh, with Xavier Robinson, just uh, you see both 24-7 sports and on three projecting him out as a running back. Really, it's just rivals that has him projected as an inside linebacker. And uh, judging from those recruiting him at Oklahoma, uh, I'm I'm guessing, you know, recruited by DeMarco Murray is a pretty telltale sign that Oklahoma views him as a running back. But that's kind of uh, an interesting little angle that somebody and we're seeing that at Oklahoma right now, John, that. Guys that uh, have played multiple positions in high school, all of a sudden it doesn't work out one place. Well, then you you flip flop to maybe the other side of the football and uh, take a take a chance at seeing if you can crack the rotation there. So, looks like Oklahoma is trending in a positive direction for someone that is predicted to be a running back at OU. But who knows? Some positional versatility, maybe. Yeah, this is a kid that I mean, you mentioned he's being recruited by Demarco Murray. He also. <laughs> Uh, tagged you know, Brent Venables um, in some of his tweets as well. So could it be that you know they see him as a linebacker? I think the book might be still out on that, but it's easy to see the possibility at running back. I mean, okay, 6'2", 220, this guy sounds like the next coming of Ramondre Stevenson, just with the size. Uh, if he's got the physicality to play linebacker, you'll love that in a running back. But this kid ran for 2,000 yards in the 2022 season at the high school level. Again, I mentioned he was the Oklahomans 2022 Offensive Player of the Year in Class 5A, led Carl Albert to a state title, ran for uh, 180 yards and two touchdowns. He also threw two passes for 28 yards and a touchdown and caught two, uh, two passes for 22 yards and a touchdown. So it's, I mean, the dude's an athlete. The dude can play football. And that's the thing that's really intriguing about the Brent Venable style of recruiting. They're just looking for football players. I think we see the, 
kind of the other version of this in Eric McCarty, who was not available for that uh, state championship loss for McAllister. Um, a guy who played a lot of running back and, and kind of lined up in, in wildcat formations at quarterback uh, for McAllister, but also played linebacker on the defensive side of the football, just looking for straight up athletes, dudes that they can put out there on the field and are going to win their matchups, whether it's at linebacker safety, you know, in Eric McCarty's case or at running back in potentially Xavier Robinson's case. So I, I do think it, it bodes well if, Oklahoma sees him as a running back. It, it seems like a, it's going to be a guy that could transit, you know, transition and play that position very, very well. And we're seeing this emphasis from the Oklahoma Sooners recruiting staff and coaching staff with Brent Venables is really trying to make sure that they get some of those top targets in the state of Oklahoma, uh, each recruiting cycle. They did it uh, in 2022, even though they missed out on a couple of guys, but they're really, I mean, trying to, you know, hone in. I mean, we've, we know David Stone's a big priority. Zadavian Sims uh, is also a big priority out of Durant. Um, you're also looking at uh, Michael Robinson uh, or Patterson Robinson, um, also out of uh, the Westmore area, Westmore High School. So a lot of these you know, top targets, Oklahoma wants to be involved in heavily. So seeing them get a rival's future cast from Josh McQuistian over at Sooner Scoop on this front is is big. It's big time news, Josh. It is, and you know, as you discussed, I would put Xavier Robinson at least right now. Even though he's been highly, highly productive, I would put him a little bit in just just based on what recruiting rankings say, and that doesn't tell the full picture. But three star guy right now, according to rivals, three star guy according to on three unrated according to 24 seven sports at this point of the 2024 cycle, I would imagine that will change just based on the, the offer sheet that Robinson has got and really all of this for him started at the end of last season. And you know, the chronological order of the offers probably doesn't always tell the full story, John, but sometimes it does, right? Sometimes it shows that one school was in very, very early and they really liked what they saw and then maybe everybody else kind of followed the leader there. So just the, the timeline for Robinson looks like this. North Texas was the first offer. That was December 15th. Uh, Iowa State and Memphis both uh, offering that day as well. And then UNLV on the 5th, Oklahoma State on the 9th, and Oklahoma about three weeks after that on January 27th. And then you got Kansas and K-State and Vanderbilt and Tulsa that uh, have offered since. So, again, I don't, I'm not going to speak to the – relationship there of Oklahoma and Robinson. I mean, maybe they were really, really high on him two months sooner and they just were waiting uh, to, you know, the, the right opportunity to offer. So sometimes that's not totally indicative of the situation, but other times, John, it, it, it kind of is all of which is a long way to say that uh, Robinson is not, you know, this consensus four-star guy right now. But I think that obviously you just look at where he's at on rivals, where he's at on, on three and, where he's probably going to wind up on 24-7 sports and probably someone, John, that fits the bill of other guys that Oklahoma's recruited to where he's going to rise as the process goes along. Yeah, that's that's what I see too. Because if he comes out and he has another you know, 1,500-, 1,700-yard season his senior year, I don't know how you can keep him anything less than a four-star by the time the, the cycle is done. And a lot of it is just based on how many of the recruiting evaluators get a chance to watch him and get a chance to see him play. Sometimes that's going to be what affects the the star status more than anything. I mean, 
a dude is obviously very, very productive. It's just a matter of will enough, you know, evaluators see his tape and then put in a rating on him to get him you know, rated highly enough. So we'll see how that kind of turns out, but I, I think he'll rise in the rankings over the next year, calendar year. Another crystal ball that the Oklahoma Sooners received this time from Parker Thune over at OU insider two, four, seven sports on 2025 cornerback or defensive back Malik Hawkins. Hmm. Hawkins. If you're familiar with that name, that's the younger brother of Michael Hawkins, who these two are the sons of former Sooner Mike Hawkins, who was coached by Brent Venables in the early 2000s, uh, got to watch some Malik Hawkins today. And this dude, okay, he's six foot, but he's only a buck 60, but he plays much bigger than a buck 60. Like he is a physical player as a sophomore. He's unafraid to come up and run support. He's unafraid to put on a hit uh, in the wide receiver screen game. He's he's looking to come up and hit people. In the in coverage department, he plays a lot of press man. He wants to get physical. He wants to get his hands on guys and doesn't lose technique when he plays press man, doesn't lose technique when he's you know trying to play bump and run. He still is in phase, mirroring guys really well. I, I like what I see out of this kid. I know the connection to Michael Hawkins, the four-star quarterback, is going to be the obvious one for everybody. But I think given – okay, if you were to separate the two, if you were to take Michael Hawkins and he's part of some other family, you know, Malik's not a, a Hawkins. Michael's not a Hawkins. They're not, you know, Oklahoma legacies. You just take Malik on his own merits. I see a, a kid who could be a four-star player uh, at the very least on his own merit. So you could look at his offer sheet. He's only got three offers right now, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Texas state. I'm sure a lot of this has to do with, the idea that maybe he and Michael are tied together. And so teams aren't throwing a lot of offers at Malik right now, even though, and, and still it's really early in his process too. I mean, he's a 2025 kid. So we're two years out from, you know, the 2025 national signing day. But I think if it wasn't potentially a package deal with those two, you'll start seeing his offer sheet fill up too. And you may even start to see it fill up over the next few months, because this is a really, really good football player. It's so early in that 25 cycle. It's uh, I'm actually, to be honest with you, I'm shocked that 24 seven sports has rankings already on some of these 25 guys. But uh, I mean, that, that is going to fluctuate so much and sure there's a degree of offer Malik. So Michael will be more comfortable coming to the university of Oklahoma, but I don't think Brent Venables in Oklahoma are in the business of just, offering to attract a, a a quarterback as some sort of a package deal with uh, you know family members let me talk to y'all about built bar we'll come back and we'll let josh finish his point here in a second built bar is the best tasting protein bar ever easy to eat 100 covered in chocolate it tastes great it's great for you low calorie low carb low sugar high in protein you can get it at walmart in a lot of places sam's club has got it as well great flavors the peanut butter brownie, the mint brownie, my, some of my personal favorites. Some of the guys on the network, they love the built puffs. They taste really good as well. The marshmallow texture. If you like marshmallow, you, you like a good s'mores treat, go check out the built puffs. They're really, really good too. And they, again, high protein, low calorie, low sugar. And yes, I know what you're thinking. How could a marshmallow textured treat be low sugar? It just is. Just take my word for it. They're fantastic. Been eating on them for more than two years now. Love Built Bar. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. Get 15% off your next order over at Built.com. 
All right, Josh, you were kind of making a point on Malik Hawkins and why Brent Venables and his staff wouldn't just be offering him just to offer him because he's Michael Hawkins' brother, that there's something to the fact that he's going to stand alone on his own merit on this front. Yeah, I think so. You know, I just don't think that that's how Brent Venables and this staff wants to do business. I mean, for, for lack of a better explanation, I think, uh, you know, the Oklahoma's not trying to just cut a bunch of package deals just to cut a bunch of package deals, especially when, oh, by the way, the, the point I was getting to, John, was you, you signed a five-star quarterback. So I don't think Oklahoma is under this belief that, oh, man, we got to pull all the all, all the stops out to get this quarterback to sign with us. Oklahoma doesn't have to do that. The track record of Oklahoma tells you OU doesn't have to do that. So that tells me OU sees, again, somebody, both of the guys that we've talked about tonight, Oklahoma sees somebody like with Robinson to where they say, okay, we're out in front of this. We love the evaluation. We think this is somebody that's going to wind up very, very highly regarded in the 25 cycle by the time it's all said and done. Yep, and – I think that's one of my favorite things about the staff is they, they see, they see what they see and they like what they see. If, if a kid's getting an offer, it's because they believe he can play football and he's a really, really good football player. Are they going to miss on evaluations? Sure. They are. It's going to happen. Everybody misses NFL teams miss all the times on their draft evaluations. It just happens. But the traits that they're looking for aggressive, physical, fast, you're, you see that in Malik Hawkins and he's just a sophomore in high school or just, you know, he just played his sophomore season and he's already six foot one sixty, So he has a chance to add a couple more inches or more to his you know, his height, add a lot more weight to his frame and be even more physical and even more aggressive, which is kind of a, a scary proposition. If you're North Texas wide receivers out there that Malik Hawkins, who already was a really good player, could be even bigger, stronger, faster uh, by the time he finishes high school. Let's turn the page here. Let's talk a little bit of wide receiver talk. Emmett Jones, our, our new wide receivers coach over at the University of Oklahoma, uh, had a, a – and I love – if you haven't followed Emmett Jones on Twitter, make sure you do that because it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, everybody on Oklahoma's uh, staff does a really good job on social media, but he's he's been one of my favorite follows so far because – I don't know. He just gets me hyped up. Um, but Emmett Jones back on March 3rd, which was on uh, what was that Friday, uh, threw out a tweet saying high school coaches always walk the halls or hang out in the gym to find potential players. Look what the football God placed in my room with a highlight of DJ Graham's one handed interception against the Nebraska Cornhuskers. I saw that and I was like, all right, OK, Emmett, I feel you. That's 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 good times right there. Um, yeah, just the, the idea that, you know, and I know I get, I get roasted a bunch, um, on this, you know, on this show because I always forget about, um, DJ Graham and it's easy to do that because he played cornerback for some time and then made the switch over to wide receiver in the fall. And it's just easy to forget about him sometimes. Well, Emmett Jones is not forgetting about him. And in fact, he's excited about what he sees and here's what the screenshot looked like. Oh, it's, that's weird. Um, oh, I put it under background. Let me do it under this. I was trying to add an overlay. Here it is. Sorry, this is terrible. Um, and we lost this. There's that. 
Here's what he had to say. There you go, YouTubers. If you're on YouTube, you got to see all that good stuff. Again, kind of exciting. It is. And, you know, there's been a lot of Oklahoma fans clamoring that, hey, don't forget about DJ Graham. And, you know, one quick look back to obviously uh, his recruiting portfolio. This is this is somebody that was recruited by both Kale Gundy and Roy Manning. And by the way, Kale Gundy was the primary recruiter here. Now that's, you know, look, Kale Gundy's coached in, in his past coached running backs and wide receivers and uh, look called plays in a bowl game for Oklahoma once upon a time in the Alamo bowl. So the, the fact that he's a primary recruiter, obviously Roy Manning was the, the secondary recruiter and DJ Graham came to Oklahoma and played defense to start, but he was initially regarded as a wide receiver on the recruiting trail. And just a quick glance at the 24 seven sports page tells me he was the 32nd ranked athlete nationally per 24 seven sports. And actually in the composite, he was higher than that. He was the 22nd athlete nationally, which means that basically 24 seven sports said, yeah, we don't know. <laughs> Oklahoma will figure it out later. So yes, DJ Graham was in a, was, was a very good wide receiver in high school. Uh, he was a first-team all-district selection at wide receiver and second-team at cornerback as a junior. So he was actually better at wide receiver than he was defensive back in high school. So he's he's got a chance, man. I, th- I do think – I don't think Emmett Jones is just throwing that out there. That's his message to really the whole wide receiver room that, look, we've got somebody that's making the switch, and he's making the switch because he's got a realistic chance to play for me. Yeah, and I don't think they would have made that switch given how light they were at cornerback last season if they really didn't think that, hey, your best spot and the spot you're going to be able to help us at most is at wide receiver. So, you know, yeah, I might be sleeping on DJ Graham a little bit because I want to see him play it because he hasn't played wide receiver full time in quite some time. But again, if if Venables, Jay Valai, Brandon Hall, the coaching staff, everybody, you know, on, on board believed that, it was going to be in his and the Sooners best interest for him to play wide receiver. I mean, there's no way that they make that switch during the fall of all times. Like they wait until, you know, the off season to, to make that switch official, but no, they got a head start on it. And actually it's pretty smart, you know, like as opposed to just like continuing to trot him out there at cornerback, when you believe that you see him better as a wide receiver, then make the move. Like no sense in waiting on that. So kudos to them for that. I think, I mean, I do think he's got a lot of potential. You know, if he's able to kind of get back into the groove of playing wide receiver, I think that'll really help them. And again, it's just another name to throw into the wide receiver mix that, man, it's going to be a really, really fascinating competition at at wide receiver. Um, Just there's so many guys there that have a lot of potential. It's just going to be interesting to see who kind of like rises to the top of this. Yeah, and I'm looking, I'm looking at his high school stats via Max Preps, which could be a very dangerous and unreliable source here. But what I'm looking at from what would have been 2018, 37 grabs, 498 yards, six touchdowns, and he had the next season he had 54 grabs and more yardage than the 498. If again. Max preps is to be believed as any sort of reliable source. So, and that by the way, was the most productive numbers for what they have for Keller central. 
So he was the most productive wide receiver for his team in high school down in Texas. So look, we've, we've said it uh, on a number of different occasions. I think you, I Oklahoma fans, you, the listener, the viewer, everybody's rooting for this to work out. Right. I mean, DJ Graham's been nothing but a, you know, outstanding, you know, it's dorky to say, but he's been an outstanding citizen at the university of Oklahoma. He's been a great teammate at the university of Oklahoma personality wise. He just seems like a nice kid. Seems like a cool guy, a good teammate to be around. So all of those things together make it to where uh, th- there's no ego involved with DJ Graham. It doesn't seem like, right. I'm not saying that uh, obviously he doesn't have plenty of belief in his own abilities, but he just doesn't come across as arrogant in a way. And so I think a lot of people would really, really like to see him be successful. And I especially would like to see him be successful because each of the last two off seasons over at Sooners wire, I've picked him as a breakout candidate and it's yet to really transpire. So I'm really hoping that this is the year making the move to wide receiver that DJ Graham just flourishes has an outstanding season grabs like 40 balls and six touchdowns, something like that. And just finally just has that. Cause he's got the athleticism. He's got the ball skills. There's no reason why. I mean, I think this is going to be a really productive year. Sorry for sleeping on them the last few months, but it's going to come. Uh, Turning the page, man. What a weekend for Oklahoma athletics. We're not really going to be able to get into all of it tonight because there's just so many things that happened. Like it was a dominant weekend for the Oklahoma athletic department. If you're Joe Castiglione, you're probably just putting your feet up on your desk on Sunday night. Got your, I don't know what he, if he drinks or what he drinks, but you know, has a nice bourbon and just, you know, sitting there just, just taking all in all of the success that his programs had throughout the weekend. Because I mean, you just go down the list and everybody won, like everybody won, but let's start with softball, Josh, because it was another great weekend. So since the Baylor loss, I did the math. They've outscored their opponents 90 to five since the Baylor loss in their four game weekend in the, the OU tournament, their first, you know, their first home stretch. uh, They went four and oh, uh, they only allowed one run in those four games, and that was to uh, Kentucky in the second game on, or in the first game on Saturday, the second game against Kentucky, and that was after you know beating Kentucky eighteen to nothing on Friday night. Uh, but you know, two wins over a top twenty-five Kentucky team again, three shutouts, three run rules, uh, just a or two run rules. Sorry, a a again dominant weekend for the Sooners. What do you make of the pitching situation for Oklahoma? I mean, it, it's looking like Alex Storocco has become kind of this team's lead horse. Um, she pitched a, a gem against UCLA and then came back and did the same thing against uh, Kentucky. Now she's also gotten some incredible run support in those two games, but you know, she what was it three hits against UCLA and then had a no hitter against Kentucky on Friday night. So, I mean, she's pitching like the ACE and she's getting the spots like the ACE, like she's getting the opportunities like the ACE. Now, Nicole may, she hasn't allowed a run all year long. Like she's like 28 innings deep right now. Um, let me find that real quick. So I don't tell you wrong, but last I looked, she had been, uh, sorry, she's 32 innings into the season. Hasn't allowed a single run. Her opponent batting average is 0.126. 
So she is also pitching incredibly well across 32 innings. She's only allowed 22 base runners, uh, 13 hits, only two extra base hits. She's got 55, 55 strikeouts in 32 innings. So she's pitching incredibly well in her own right. And she's probably the pitcher that most people were sleeping on a little bit. Like probably if you're going to stack them up, you'd probably have gone Jordy ball one, Alex Tarako two, Nicole may three. Well, it looks like that's all been turned on its head and it's Alex Tarako one, uh, Nicole may two and Jordy ball three. Uh, that's not to say that Jordy ball is pitching bad. She's not pitching poorly. She's not, she's just not pitching as well as she did last year, or maybe as well as many expected her earned run average right now, 2.33. Uh, she's five and one. Um, and, but she's also being asked to do a little bit of double duty. Like she's getting at bats in the lineup. And is that having an effect on her pitching, focusing so much on playing the field? Uh, Cause she has gotten some stop, some spots in right field for the Sooners. Um, is this just something that they're experimenting with? And then as they get closer to big 12 play and deeper into the season, they'll start to shift her more to just pitching focus. I don't know. It'd be a, an interesting question. I'd like, you know, somebody to ask Patty Gasso, but uh, you know, she's not pitching bad. She's just not right now pitching to the expectations that many had for uh, prior to the season. But Alex Sirocco, man, she's just been flat out dominant so far this season. And same with Nicole may, I mean, nobody can hit Nicole may. And if, even if they do hit her, nobody else hits after her. Like she doesn't allow multiple base hits in an inning. Alex Tarocco hasn't done that either over her last two starts. Like they've just been that dominant. And so even if Jordy ball is just kind of, kind of having some sophomore slumps, slump struggles a little bit, Alex Tarocco and Nicole may have been so good that it doesn't really even matter. And then with Kirsten deal coming in fourth, like she's been really reliable just kind of as a fifth inning option, you know, which is going to really throw a lot of teams off because you get righty for four innings or six innings or whatever. And then Kirsten deal comes in as a left-handed pitcher and throws, you know, throws it for this, the final inning of the game, whether it's the fifth or the seventh. And I mean, it's just going to mess with you a little bit because you just don't see many left-handed pitchers in college softball. So I'm sure it's going to throw you off, but yeah, the, the rotation, the circle is just done really, really well. You know, again, Kirsten deal, she's thrown 11 and a third inning. She's only allowed an ERA of 0.62. Uh, or she has an ERA of 0.62. She's got 14 strikeouts in those 11 and a third innings. So uh, all in all, it's been really, really kind of cool to see the staff just kind of figure itself out. Um, and again, Jordy Ball is not pitching terrible. She's just, again, not pitching up to the expectations that many had for her preseason. But that's okay. There's a, long, a lot of season left to go. And I think there's a lot of time for her to even improve. Uh, from where she's at now. What's been really fascinating for me to see. Go ahead, Josh. Oh, I was just going to say Jordy Paul was really good <laughs> against Kentucky this weekend. It needs to need to say that now Starocco pitched no hitter against Kentucky, right? So she was tremendous, but well, listen, and, and ball didn't allow a hit until the fourth inning in that game against Kentucky. Right. So, and giving up one run against a ranked Kentucky team that, Oh, by the way, you, beat the way that you beat in that game seven to one everybody be happy right it, it's all good it's uh i think just the what needs to be demonstrated here is that jordy ball had four strikeouts and scattered a few hits six hits gave up the one run and yet there's this expectation that more times than not jordy ball is going to go out there and strike out 13 or you know what i mean it's because she was so 
wildly exceptional from the word go at Oklahoma that uh, at times probably there is a little bit of an unfair expectation put upon her. I can tell you this, though, too, from watching her the very first time that I saw her with the Nebraska gold, which uh, would have been basically her high school all-star team that she was a part of, came down, played uh, over at Marita Heinz Field. Jordy did both, okay? First off, she's striking out all-star hitters left and right. And, oh, by the way, she's she's lacing shots with the bat into the gap. So she can both pitch and hit. It's not the, – the hitting is not affecting the pitching. I promise you that. Well, and, I mean, she's been really good at the plate. I mean, she had – a couple of RBIs and that went over Kentucky. She helped herself out a little bit. So it's again, it's probably nothing and making way too big a deal out of it. But yeah, the, the two, three, three ERA is not what anybody would have expected. But again, Oklahoma is still winning games and winning them big, uh, but you've had so many like standout performances from unexpected places. You know, Jocelyn Erickson, she leads the team in, in batting average and RBIs and home runs. Uh, Sophia Nugent, she's been really, really good for the Sooners, like getting a lot of, a lot of opportunities to play catcher, you know, playing some of the utility role. Uh, but she's hitting really, really well on the season as well. Um, it's just a lot of players are playing good ball. Like Jada Coleman, she's tied for the team leading home runs right now with five Kinsey Hansen until the, the finale against Kentucky or the, the second to last game and the second game against Kentucky, I mean, she was on a tear, absolute tear on Friday night. She had another two home runs and seven RBIs against the Wildcats. So, like, everybody is is really starting to kind of find their groove. Cindy Sanders finally hit her first home run of the season after hitting 24 for Arizona State last year. You start getting her going, and, again, it's a lineup that's going to be really, really difficult to slow down. Um, but, yeah, just another phenomenal weekend for this team. Um so many people that we can mention and we'll have more to, to say about it during the live show, but they're just getting started. Like they're just getting the ball rolling. But right now you've got five hitters hitting over 400 that have qualified um, for you know the team leads, but you've got another three that have been bench players or rotational players that are also hitting over 400. Uh, the team as a whole is hitting 391. Um, so that's, that's going to win you a lot of, a lot of softball games when you're hitting that. Well, uh, we're going to, again, we're going to expand upon all of this on the live show. We're also going to talk about some of the other things that went down, but we got to mention the women's basketball team. Also big 12 champions first time since 2009 beat Oklahoma state 80 to 71 in a game that they were trailing at half. Uh, Oklahoma got outscored by 10 in the second quarter to go into the half down by six. Uh, but Oklahoma did what they do and they just put up points. They, they went on a run uh, in the third quarter, finally took the lead with about a little over two minutes to go in the third and then never surrendered it. Uh, the closest Oklahoma state got over the final, you know, 12 plus minutes, I think was within four um, after that. And, and yeah, they just did their thing. Taylor Robertson led the way with 15 points. Uh, she was three of 10 from three. And then, uh, had you know four or four from the free throw line, so she had a really good game. But again, they just showed their their depth. Um, you know, Kulitan had 11 points, I believe. Uh, Skylar Van had another double digit. She had a double double, uh, double digit scoring. Um, but it's it that's that's going to come for Oklahoma. Their offense is always going to be great. Uh, the question is going to be their defense and how much will they be able to improve, or at least how much will their offense be able to carry them. Uh, despite some of the deficiencies defensively 
uh, for him, both in the Big 12 tournament and in the NCAA tournament. Um, but just a, a resounding win and huge to get that Big 12 championship, uh, even if it's just a share of it. Uh, it's the first time since 2009 since Oklahoma's gotten that. And uh, from a team that had missed the tournament in the two seasons prior to Jenny Baranchik's arrival to Oklahoma to one, make the tournament their first year and then win a share of the Big 12 title in her second year, heading towards the NCAA tournament again. Uh, they're easily a top 15 team in the country and just playing efficient, really fun offensive basketball, the number two team, number two scoring team in the country. Uh, it's, it's really, really fun to see how that program has kind of gone from where it was at the end of the Sherry Cole era, just, you know, showing that it was kind of just time for something new, something different. Um, despite, you know, the legend that Sherry Cole is in Norman, it was just time for a change and, and that's okay. That's just what happens from time to time. But Jenny Baranchik kind of took what Sherry Cole had built and reinvigorated it, breathed new life into it and has started to build on top of that and, and really done so in such a, a tremendous way. So big shout out to coach Baranchik and the, and the Oklahoma Sooners women's basketball team, Josh. Well, very well said by you. I would agree with a lot of what was said there. I do think that probably it was just the right time for coach Jenny Baranchek to be the next head coach, uh, head women's basketball coach at the university of Oklahoma. And that's, that's no knock or shot on anyone. But, you know, I think the last two seasons have demonstrated that to be the case, right. And probably for Jenny Baranchek, it was time to get to run a program like the university of Oklahoma. She had earned her opportunity, but this one, you know, if we're living in the world where, and not to turn this totally back to football here, but, or men's basketball, but if we're living in the world where one, two years down the road, we look back and say, uh, swing and a mess on your football coach and your men's basketball coach. It's been, dude, it's been a grand slam twice out of the park, bring a uh, plate, eight runs home, uh, slam dunk, uh, Taylor Robinson, 19 triples in a row. It's been such a home run hit for Joe Castiglione in Oklahoma with Ginny Baranchek. It's a terrific hire. The brand of basketball they play is so fun to watch. The players that are on campus, John, she's getting the most out of them. And it's only going to get better, in my opinion, for Oklahoma women's basketball. And, oh, by the way, they just earned a share of the conference championship. So hats off to you, Coach Ginny Baranchek. Hats off to uh, all of the Sooner women. You should be very, very proud of where you've taken this program in a very, very abbreviated amount of time here these, these last two seasons. Yes, we can get into Bedlam Gate in full tomorrow. I can't believe that they are actually being I, – I, I can't believe this has taken on a life of its own, but here we are, sure enough. I, I, it's a long-winded, I think, more expansive conversation, but in short, ridiculous from Oklahoma State – OU deserves to have its moment to celebrate. You don't like it. Don't let Oklahoma rally back and put it on you in the third quarter. Yeah, basically get over yourselves and understand what just happened. Whether it was Oklahoma or if it would have been Kansas or Kansas State, it doesn't matter. A team just won a championship. Like you can't and I mean you can't let them celebrate a little bit before it's everybody's, you know, yelling in each other's faces about what's going on. And I mean far be it for Oklahoma's team to understand like, Oh, they're having senior night. We should just kind of 
take our celebration in the locker room. No, come on. They're excited. It is what it is. It's sports. Get over yourself. JC Hoyt. Oh, I mean, Oklahoma state. Um, but shout out. Hey man, coach Baranchik. She didn't, she didn't pull any punches. She didn't lay back. Like and that's kind of the one thing that's kind of fun about her is like, she's not afraid to let another coach have it. And especially like, I think her and, and JC Hoyt have kind of gone back and forth a couple times now to where to me, it's just like, I think coach Baranchik's like, Hey, listen, Come on. You're Oklahoma state. We're Oklahoma. Come on. Come on. What are you anyway. trying to say here? Yeah. Trying to say? <laughs> I mean, come on, little sister, like kind of, you know, just lay back. You might still be pissed because we're going to the sec, but we're going to celebrate our championship. How we want to enjoy your senior night. See you next time. Uh, but that's going to do it for today's episode of locked on Sooners. Again, tune in for the live show on Monday night, where we will talk more about oh, softball, men's basketball, the baseball weekend that was, we got to mention gymnastics because they got a couple huge wins as well. And we'll continue to dig in on football recruiting as we learn more from Oklahoma's big recruiting weekend, but that's going to do it for Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll talk to you next time. Boomer sooner.